Welcome in episode 187. Brian Gianta going to join us here shortly on the show. You and I had some heated discussion before the show. I wish we were recording that, by the way, not to try to, you know, get people wondering, oh, what were they saying? It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a heated discussion about opinion of certain personnel on certain teams. <laughs> pretty, pretty easy to sort out. There were games around the league last night. Oilers and Connor McDavid put on a show. Sabres gave up a three-goal lead. That's kind Mitch of where, Marner. where we were talking about. Mitch Marner, 18-game point streak. Yep, tied, uh, who is it, Daryl Sittler and Ed Olchek, I think, for the longest uh, point streak in uh, in Toronto Maple Leaf history. He had an open netter last night. Did you watch it? No, I was watching like- the Sabres game. I know a little pins and needles on that, you know, seeing, uh, you know, Mitchie Marner uh, get get the open net goal to extend that streak. But uh, very impressive. They've gone on quite the run. And it's, I mean, hard, it's hard to follow hockey here in the U.S. And I'll tell you why. Because we're prisoner to the NHL network for the highlights. And it is absolutely painful to watch. So I watch it on mute with the exception of when like Rupper's on. I'm dead serious. It is absolutely painful. So it's hard to keep up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry. No, it's just, it's, it's absolutely shit. Um, you know what I want to talk to you about first before Gio gets on? Because I'll be really curious to get Gio's opinion on this because he played in Boston. But Jack Edwards had some choice words during the broadcast for Pat Maroon. Basically, to summarize, if you haven't heard the comments, ladies and gentlemen, he basically called him fat. And his nickname is The Big Rig. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he's a big guy. I mean, you can see him with his shirt off at the Stanley Cup parades. I mean... He's not built like your prototypical pro athlete. He's a thicker guy. And it's not even baby fat. He's just, he's chubby. He's chunky. And Jack Edwards had some comments about, uh, you know, intermittent fasting for, for Pat Maroon is four hours or something. He can't go four hours without eating a whole pizza or whatever, whatever it was. And, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about Jack Edwards. I've always found him to be kind of entertaining, you know, like I I know he's a homer, massive, massive homer for Mm -hmm. the Boston Bruins, but I just think what he did is absolute bullshit. And, and, you know, forget the bullying and all that stuff. We live in a very sensitive world and Pat Maroon doesn't even probably care. And I mean, I'm all I'm saying is it's just uh, from the level, from the standpoint of professionalism, what an absolute piece of shit. Totally gutless. And, and he sounded intoxicated. It's yeah, not an accusation. No. It's just an observation. It's a big difference between an observation and an accusation. But I'm not the only person that said that. There's another very uh, well-respected uh, media member who made a comment about the Jack Edwards uh, situation and then say, said at the end, by the way, you also sound drunk. He sounded yeah. drunk. You know, listen, I mean, I'm not a fan of Jack Edwards. I'm not a fan of the way he calls the game. Now, if you are a Boston Bruins fan, then Jack Edwards is a legend. Okay. He is literally the biggest homer when it comes to calling any game. I've watched multiple games and had to listen to him. Okay. And what he calls 
is not necessarily what's happening on the ice, whether it's a big hit, whether it's a scrum, whether it's a fight that happens with a Bruins player. It's like literally the Bruins player is pounding and pounding on this opposing uh, players that's fighting. And it's just like, what? what are you watching? This is not even close to what it should be. And that's where my irritation with Jack Edwards, he's, he doesn't call the game and doesn't see it through um, just a normal person's eyes. He's seeing it through, you know, the Boston Bruins are the ultimate. He is the biggest Homer. I think that's where he, um, you get into, you get into irritation when you just, when you're watching something and listening to the game and he's calling it and it's just kind of yeah, like, I don't understand a, what he's not calling. on a national broadcast. He's on the Neeson broadcast, which is, which airs the, the Bruins games. So, yep. you know, I can understand, you know, you have an option to watch that. We don't get Neeson here unless you watch it on a, on a special channel or something. So you don't have to hear Jack Edwards. Yeah. Right. You hear him through, you know, highlights and stuff like that, but, I don't know. I've always thought he was kind of, I always thought I liked him from the standpoint of like, man, I mean, if, if I were a Bruins fan, I would, I would love this guy. Yeah. I just, I just thought what he said was the ultimate supporter of, of, of the Bruins hockey team. Yeah. And that's great. He gets a ring and all this stuff. So he is, you know what? Good for him. Like, fine. I don't care if he's, he's a Homer. I really don't. What he said was if he were friends with Pat Maroon and they were sitting around a team meal or something, I'm sure, I'm sure Maroon would probably have a laugh with it. To do it on a broadcast, it's a completely different animal. That yeah, is, it's a very much agreed. Poor like taste and choice of words, poor taste in doing color commentating, talking about these players. And you're going to, and listen, I mean, do you think Pat Maroon gives a rat's ass about what Jack Edwards says? No. He's sitting there laughing his head off. Like he doesn't give a shit about what, oh, he's uh, eight, two I don't know about that. last night. And, uh, you know, he's, I don't know about that. It's one thing for someone else, for him to say it maybe in self-deprecation or his teammates to call him the big rig or whatever, and he take on that nickname, but to actually basically say that he's fat on a broadcast. <laughs> so anyway, so Pat Maroon tweets out the next day. He says, in support of those struggling with mental health, bullying and body image, I'm I'm making a $2,000 donation in the name of the real Jack Edwards to the, to at Tampa Bay thrives. And I encourage the Tampa Bay lightning and the NHL fans to join me donate here. And Tampa Bay thrives is a nonprofit assisting those struggling with mental health and substance use issues, providing navigation access and awareness. Yeah. And he, and he does it in a very sneaky way, right? He just does it in a sneaky way because if you're not on top of all every single thing that happens around the NHL, there's a lot of stuff that's swept under the table. This is something where Pat Maroon took the opportunity to basically shine light. Okay. On what Jack Edwards said. And because everybody's talking about it and Patrick Maroon did the smart thing. I mean, because I'm going to tell you this, he doesn't not care. We're talking about, we're talking about Patrick Maroon. What do you think his body fat is? 15? No way. Less? No way. Less? More? I would say that he's under 11. Maybe Pat under 12. I, I would put him under 12% body no. fat. I can find out what his body fat is. Find out what his body fat is. 
can absolutely find out. And I would think that his body fat is probably under 12%. Well, even if it's 12, like because most NHL the standards players, that we had to come to camp at under 10, which was absolutely completely unhealthy because we had 15 guys years that, ago, 15 yeah, years ago, under 10%. Well, what do you think? What do you think the average body fat of an NHL hockey player is today? Nine average, if not, if not less hundred percent. I would depends, say less than that. Depends how you do it. If you're doing it in a bod pod, Listen, you don't don't make things things complicated. Oh, Just make well, it very the, simple. Listen, for guys like me, man, every every and guys like you too, every millimeter counted. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, there's guys that are just genetically, you know, thinner than others. It's not like they're working harder than other players. It's just genetically um made up where, you know, your your everybody's body style is different. So you think the NHL average is under 9 or under 8? Yes. I would say it's probably under eight. I think so. What's the lowest again, you ever went to camp? I, again, at? I will do this. I will find out how many players on the Sabres roster, okay, that are playing currently right now, out of the 23 hockey players, two goaltenders and all the players, out of all of those players, we're going to find out how many players are under 8% body fat. Remember and Tony I would Lutman? say, I would say, I would say there's, um, 15 to 17 players that are under 8%. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it that I think it was that way when I played, I mean, I, I played with guys that were, I played with guys. I, well, we had Paulie Byron. Remember, he came to camp. And well, he, was he like doesn't 4%. count. On, he was, no, he, hold on. He doesn't. He, he looked doesn't. like he swallowed a birdcage. He doesn't count, but guys like Tony Ludman. Tony Ludman was what six one, six two, yeah. two fifteen. Yeah. And he was so lean that you could see like the veins in his stomach and everything because it was he had how no many players have you played? How many fins have you played with in your career? Do you remember? Uh, a lot. And they were okay. always and they're all shape. literally they are not amazing shape. They're not amazing shape. I've never seen a fat fin, not one single time. They are literally, I'm not kidding you when I say this, they grow up in the way that they do things in Finland as a, as a society is very different than North America. Okay. Which means what? That they're in amazing shape. (laughs) They're not in amazing shape. They're not not? in better shape than, no, I don't think Tony Ludman was in better shape than the other defensemen, uh, Spotcheck on our team. Who wasn't in better shape yes, than Spotcheck? Spot you yes. might have just picked the fattest defenseman on our team at the time. Um, no, listen, Spotcheck was, was in great. He was in great shape. They were all in great shape. Well, everyone in the NHL is in great shape, but there are guys that are just specimen too, and they're in different. There's a because different of level genetics. of great shape. Okay, because of genetics. Hey, Saku well, Koivu, literally his body fat was You're ripping like, me up about one choice of words, but I meant the same thing. Fuck me. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Go on about Saku Koivu. No, you're, I mean, you're telling me we're talking about being in great shape. Tony Lundman's not in better shape than any guy in our team, even though he was under 7% body fat. He was just genetically gifted in that, in that realm, you know, of, of, you know, athletics or, or, you know, testing stuff. Pat Maroon in society is considered thin 
but we're going to, but Jack Edwards is going to make fun of him because what his face looks a little chunky, but I mean, he's still in very good shape for an NHL hockey player. He, he is, he may be a little slower. He's also carrying 240 pounds. He's not 180 pounds or 170 pounds. Like many of these players that are coming into the league. I but think he also, you're wrong about Maroon's body fat. I think he's higher than you think. I just I, and and that doesn't matter. I'm just saying what Edward said is is not merited by him. Yeah, I don't think Maroon is under twelve percent body fat, Craig. I and I'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what Geo thinks because I'm going to guess that he probably thinks he's over fifteen. I think he's over fifteen. Yeah. But that doesn't give Jack Edwards the right to comment. That's all I'm saying. You actually think he's he's under twelve percent? Yeah, I, I think I I think you're I think you'd be very surprised. You know, I was a player that was um, somewhat more on the same lines uh, as a um, you know a Pat Maroon, but my body fat was ten and a half. I think I think he could be you know, a 12% body fat type player. Like, I think you would be surprised with he's, he's a very big boned man. Like he's a very big man. He's a very big guy, but I don't think that he is like, I don't think he's walking around with this massive, big fat beer gut and, and chomping on all these pizzas like Jack Edwards is, is alluding to with the, the pizza comment. But I could be wrong. I, I could be very wrong. I just don't think that there's players in the National Hockey League. I don't think I don't think John Cooper in, in Tampa Bay would allow Patrick Maroon, whether he's playing on the fourth line or not, to basically be 15% body fat. I just don't think that that's I don't think that's going to be allowed. But the point is he's effective. Yeah, he's very effective. Like he's very effective. You know, we've talked about players like that for a long time. You know how the Sabers needed guys like that. And remember, remember what back four or five years ago we were like, Sabers need to go get a guy like Pat Maroon, and everyone was 100%. like, Pat Maroon, Pat Maroon, fuck can't skate. Pat Maroon can't do anything. Three Stanley Cups later, we're talking about Pat Maroon. Got to talk about Dylan Cousins, and I and I'm curious to know what what Brian Gianta thinks about a Dylan Cousins who's 21 years old, who's playing on his last year of his entry-level deal, who has eight goals and 18 points in 23 games, what kind of contract do you have to get him under? Is he going to be over Tage Thompson or is he going to be under Tage Thompson? Because the comparables out there to Dylan Cousins, if he continues on the pace that he's going right now, he's going to get paid a lot of money. Why should he get more than Thompson? What because are we talking I think about? Thompson was signed as the number one center. He's on pace for a hundred points. Why the hell would cousins even think to ask for more than that? I know what you're going to say about comparables. It's all about comparables. Well, I don't give a shit about what cage. Here's the thing. Dylan cousins, for an example, should not care what Tage Thompson does because Dylan cousins has comparables to him. In his age group category. Well, so did Pasternak over Bergeron. But if, if like Tage Thompson is, is establishing himself as a Pasternak, super, it turned out to be well, one of the worst contracts for a player and one of the best contracts for a team. Do you remember going, you remember going back and talking about, uh, Nate McKinnon, Nate McKinnon. Yes. When he signed yes, the I deal, do. but was an awesome contract for the team throughout that contract. 
But my point to that is, is that if you recall, there was a, a team limit. You're not making more than player X. Who is player X? Bergeron. Okay, Patrice Bergeron. I think he might have made a little bit more or right around the same thing, right? 6.8. And what did Bergeron make? 6.6? Six, 6.7? Six, no, no, no. Bergeron made 6.8. And what did what is Pasternak, Pasternak made 6.6. 6. Okay. And Brad okay. Marchand ended up coming in and signed signed a deal that was far less than what he should have made. And he, and he was making 6.3. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. He signed Bergeron or Marchand signed that contract during that World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. That announcement was like right at the world, like right around the World Cup when he was playing with Crosby and Bergeron at the World Cup, I think. And he signed that deal. And I think everyone was like, holy shit. And then he exploded. Like, he had no, 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 because the year before that, the reason why he was on that goals. Kid, he had 38 like 30, goals. Yeah, he had 38 goals that year, which, and then he signed that deal for six points something. And then he, then he even has had like, has he even, has he had a hundred points or I know he was on pace for a hundred points and missed games. What was the year that he played for Canada? That was Thank in 2015, 16. Okay. Brad, Mar- Brad Marchand that year had 37 goals and 61 points in 77 games. The years before that, he had 21 goals, 28 goals. He had 18 18 goals in 45 games. Then he had a 25 goal. Then he had a 24 goal. And then the year that he made the Canadian team, he had 37 goals. He signed that contract in 17-18. Oh, so it was the year after. Yeah. But hold on, hold on, hold on. The World Cup, though, that next season, he exploded. Did he not have an unbelievable season? 39 goals and 85 points. Okay. So that is how many year. games though? How many games? 80 games. He played 80 games. Okay. So he had 85 points in 80 games, 39 goals. The year before that, he had 37 goals, 61 points. He signed that contract after 85 points, 39 goals in 80 games. Okay. Yeah. He should have been making eight and a half, nine million dollars. He signed for 6.3 and people's jaw dropped we're not talking about a two hit a two season he had 21 28 18 25 24 37 and 39 goals but that's because he wasn't allowed to make more than bergeron and chara right and let me tell you something he is kicking himself in the ass there is so. no question about it it is a terrible contract for brad marchand just like pasternak is not happy making 6.6 right now. And he's one of the top, he's one of the top goal scorers in the last, what, five, six, seven years. But my point is to that is that I don't think Dylan Cousins should make more than Tage Thompson. I think there's a standard and Tage Thompson has become a superstar. And I think that, th- that Kevin Adams is going to look at him and say, I'll sign you to an eight-year deal, but you're not getting more than Tage. Maybe he gets the same thing. I don't know. But maybe he says you're not making more than Tage because he's a bona fide superstar and he's making 7.1, whatever he's making. Good morning. Morning, boys. Gianta. Listen, I don't even know where you want to go here today, Petey, but if we're going to go with the Dylan Cousins. We were already there, but you know what? We can get back to that. I'm curious to know if you heard about Jack Edwards' comments about Pat Maroon. I'm not surprised. That guy's the biggest homer out there. And I was a Bruin, right? Like, so I get it. But he goes overboard. 
Like if you're not a net, like if you're not the team broadcaster, that's pretty funny, right? Like at the end of it, he says you can't argue his formula, but he bashes him for a good amount of time about, listen, that was day one of training camp. He's had a few more pizzas along the way. That was, you know, weight was in a fasted state, so he's lighter. Hey, good on Maroon for firing back, making something good of it. Do you right? think that like, that bothers Maroon? Do you think that he has a, a soft spot, sore spot in, in, in hearing something like that? I would say with his reaction, yes. You know, like he's sick of hearing it. Like he's heard it. Clearly, he's going to get chirped on the ice over that, right? Like that's the number one chirp to go towards him on the ice as an opposing player. Yeah, but he can't actually go and punch out Jack Edwards, though. So this is this is this is his good, way of doing it. This is as good of a knockout as you're going to yeah. get because you know athletes have to take the high road when really Maroon should be like, really, Jack, you sound like a drunk old man on the air, you fucking loser. That's what he should be saying. But then again, everyone be like, oh, Maroon's classless and weak minded. And I, well, that's the, that's what it, like, I had that talk with my older son last night, right? Like, you do have to take the high road, unfortunately. What you want to say, you can't always say. You have to say it in a different manner because once you stoop to the level of whoever is saying something to you, you become what they are, right? Like, so what you, are pissed at you are becoming that by certain responses and so by maroon firing back saying something like you said pd it drops down to edwards level and him taking this road is a shot fired at him the message has been sent and he did it in the right way in the sense that he comes out on top on it right like he looks good good jack edwards looks bad and he's trying to do something good with it. He shamed him a little bit. He shames Jack Edwards. I mean, the donation is the 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 it's in his name. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? In honor of Jack Edwards or whatever, you know. But yeah. listen, in, in the grand scheme of things, though, it's pretty funny what he said, what he said, though. It's a it's a solid 30-second roast. Fuck, but I you mean know what, as though, unprofessional like, as it gets, though. It is unprofessional, but I'm gonna tell you right now, Patrick Maroon. It's like a household name around the National Hockey League. It's a guy that went to three Stanley Cups with three different teams, if, right? And won no, them. Two, two different teams. Two teams. One was St. Louis. They win. Then he gets traded to Tampa Bay and wins back-to-back Cups. He's gone to the finals three years in a row, won three Stanley Cups. And, and you could, you know, it, it's very easy to say is, well, you know, he's not the reason why they won. It was, uh, you know, Tarasenko. It was uh, Ryan O'Reilly. It was, you know, Kucherov and Stamkos. And, and, and the answer to that is, you know what? You're right. Your best player's got to play. Your best player's got to help you win. But I'm going to tell you right now, Patrick Maroon was a massive, massive piece to those puzzles. And I guarantee you, every single player on both of those teams would say the same thing. What he does on a nightly basis and how he plays the game. I told you this the other day when I was watching Tampa Bay play uh, um, the Sabre Speedy. I'm like, Patrick Maroon literally looks like he's got a small child on his back. That's how slow he is because he just does not skate well. But I'm going to tell you right now, the way he plays the game, his hockey intelligence is incredible. 
well, in order to, he's smart, yeah. man. He's po- the poise with the puck is incredible. He's very difficult to play against when he's in the corners. Um, he's, well, he gets a, he's a lot a smart of smart, a lot player. of time with the puck because I'd say of the 700 players in the league, 691 of them are terrified of him. This day, I don't, know if, I don't know if you're terrified of him. He doesn't yeah. terrify intimidated. Me. No, Not today's game. Okay. No, all right. He's no, he's no PD out there. He's no PD out there. I don't uh, think in this league, anyone. in this league, he is in this he's, league. He's he yeah, but he's sure. not going out there doing no. what you did. Like he's not going out there. Like part of your job was to make other people feel at all times, really uncomfortable. Okay. Whether it was by you skating by the red line, whether it was you bumping a player after a whistle and just kind of look at, I'm saying I'm literally going to end you by the end of this game. It it was you barking off the bench constantly. And you're the the players that were on the other side were saying, I hope this guy does not get a ship. (laughs) (laughs) No, but listen, what, what Maroon does is he recognizes what he is. He recognizes what he's good at and he recognizes what his faults are as a player. He doesn't have foot speed. He knows that. So his, like Rivs said, his hockey, I think it was Rivs, says his hockey sense has to be great because he's recognizing what he is as a player, what he can do and what he can't do. And what does he do best? He is great below the top of the circles at grinding guys down. I wouldn't even say he's great on a four check because he can't get in on a four check. But he's very good at extending plays, winning battles in the corner, wearing D down because they have to push on him and try to get the puck back from him at all times. Just go stand in front of the net. And and he knows what he is. Yeah. And he does it. And he owns it. And he is that player. And yeah. that's what makes him Pat Maroon. And that's what makes him valuable to a team. He's not out there looking to get in a one T spot like Stamkos. He's not looking to go end-to-end like Kucherov. He is what he is, and he adds to that team and what team he is on to be a successful championship team. Because I think what you're you're a little wrong, Rivs, in the sense that I think he did contribute huge to that team, those teams winning. Yes, is he the flashy guy? Nope, but he's the guy doing a lot of the work. Yeah, good on him, and uh, Jack Edwards can eat it. Um, let's move on from that. When you joined the show, we were talking Sabres. They almost blew a three-goal lead last night. Matias Samuelson scored his first NHL goal last night. How about that for the big man? It's great. It's great for him to get rewarded. You know, like what he does for this team doesn't show up on a stat sheet. You know what I mean? Like what he brings when he was out of the lineup and what the holes that needed to be filled because he wasn't in the lineup are huge. So it's nice for a guy like that to get rewarded get his first NHL goal and have something to show for his body of work or get recognized, feel good about yourself that you you're contributing that kind of thing. I think that's great. He's a piece to a puzzle to win. And when Kevin Adams signed him to a $30 million deal and people were all going, what the f- fuck did he just do signed a kid who's played 54 games in the nhl and gave him 30 million dollars this is kevin adams that has done his homework 
that knows the personality, the player behind the scenes that we do not get to see. And I said to you, Petey, did I not say to you, it's, it's going to be one of the greatest contracts, $4.3 million for Matias Samuelson. He's going to be, he's going to be worth $7 million in three years from now. This is an unbelievable signing by Kevin Adams, just like it. I think it was a great signing by Tage Thompson and Tage is doing what he's doing and he's, and he's earning that contract and, and beyond that contract. And then now the next thing is to identify who's the next piece. And that is, you have to think about Rasmus Dahlin. You have to think about Owen power. And you also have to think about Dylan cousins. How about the move by Jack Quinn in the shootout? I don't like the shootout. It's not that hard. I've done that before. I've done that before in practice. What what a move though. Like is this awesome. is the thing. What's awesome about it is Where I think Tage Thompson went Tage first. Did. Um missed. Who, who, who they put second? Come on, uh, man. Paterka. Paterka. JJ yeah. Paterka. 20-year-old kid. 20 years old. They put the 20-year-old in 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 a in a game that they were up four to one. They drop another two goal lead in the third period. Okay. You are, you are literally at home as a fan going, what am I watching here? Is this deja vu? And then in the shootout, they elect to go with a 20 year old and a 21 year old that are two rookies. And I think, I think it's awesome because I'm going to tell you, I think Don Granato. And, and this team's going to have some heartaches, man. They're going to have some heartaches. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the guys that are leading this team are under the age of 25. Alex Tuck, you know, um, Tage Thompson. These guys are the ones leading this team. Dylan, Dylan Cousins is 21. Quinn's 21. Paterka's 20 years old. Your back end, you look at the back end, you have Samuelson, you have Darlene, you have Owen Power, you have Yoki Haru. They're all under the age of 22. There's going to be some heartache. There's going to be nights where you're just like, what the hell? What is going on? And they have to find ways. They have to find ways to win these games. But again, this team's the youngest team in the league. What do you expect? Like, I'm, I'm, I get angry at home because I get angry at at Kevin Adams. Okay. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. Next time I see him, he's probably going to freaking laser laser me with his later laser eyes, but I don't give a shit at home as a coach potato. Who's a coach GM. I want to go out and I want to sign players that I feel if I'm in this situation in the third period, I'm up by two goals. They're going to play more. Do you understand? Well, but, they, they, but he said before that he wants them to grow into that. What he's saying with he doesn't want to box these guys out is essentially I'm going to give them the rope to 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 learn through some of this stuff. And then they are my guys in a year or two. Right. Like they are the guys that you rely on. They are guys. Look at that line with with some skill, but can also play other minutes against top guys. So, yes, some nights it's going to be there for him. So they have other nights. It might not be, but they're willing to let them grow through that right now to then just grow from within and then maybe put a piece here and there in a year or two. Well, growing within is Dylan cousins. Is it not? I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like that's, 
He, they're, they're yeah, but do you know how close beat? this team is to winning games on a nightly basis? Do you know how close this team in is? It shows the patience of, of, of the plan right now, right? Like he is not going to rush through it. He's letting it play out and he's not panicking when it's well, eight let me games ask in a row or whatever. Okay, it's hard. I, I it's get hard. it. I get it. No, no, no. I get it. But at what point in time when you watch the game, when you watch practice every day, that you understand the work ethic of players behind closed doors and how they do things, how they prepare all of this stuff. Then you go out and you watch the games. And then at what point in time as a GM, do you identify? Let's, let's say your core group of players. Like I would think that there's 10 players right now that you're a hundred percent, you know, moving forward, it's your core. You have Tage Thompson, you have Tuck, and you have Skinner. You have Quinn, you have Paterka, and Cousins. You have your top four defense that all four are under the age of 22 with Samuelson, Power, Darlene, and Yoki Haru. Those are That is your team. Everybody else are pieces that you're trying to support those guys with. At what point in time when... You've got a team and you identify if you want to, if, if, if Kevin Adams and his staff at the Sabres want to use and understand analytics, why are they not looking at the analytics and saying, my team hits less than every single team in the league. Now I know, understand something. I understand something. Hitting is not what makes you win games, but it is a piece to the puzzle to helping your team wear down other teams to win games. Okay. The Sabres are clearly, and I mean, clearly the lowest in the league. Okay. The teams that have won recently, it's a very copycat league. Are they top in, in hitting? Tampa Bay lightning. Fall? Yeah. Where, they're, where do they they're, fall? They're up where, there? they, where do they fall in the analytics of hitting? That's what I would ask the question of where they fall on that. You mean the teams that have won and had success over the last take four or five years? Who won last year? Colorado, Tampa. Say the last four years. You got Colorado, Tampa, Tampa, St. Louis, correct? That's the last four years. They don't seem heavy teams to me. Well, they are. That's the whole thing. Are they? I don't know. When I'm, you have I'm... Tampa Bay, when you have Tampa Bay that won two Stanley Cups. What did they do? They went and picked up Blake Coleman. He is a third line physical energy player. They also picked up and gave a first round draft pick to San Jose for Barkley Goudreau, who is a third line center, who is a physical fast energy player. They went and picked up Patrick Maroon from the Stanley Cup champions that were big and heavy. In St. Louis, they went and picked up Patrick Maroon. Why? Why would you pick up Patrick Maroon? Because they got out hit, out muscled, out. There was no energy, but they have their elite players. They needed, they went and picked up Zach Bogosian. They went and picked up Shen. They went and picked up guys that were big, physical, and heavy. And they went and won two Stanley Cups. And the, and, and the year before that, if you want a copycat, the Tampa Bay Lightning realized that they needed to get tougher. 
They needed the energy players. They weren't going to win with just Stamkos and, and, and Kucherov. They needed supporting staff with those high-end players. And they went and picked up five guys. I know, Rev, Rev, can I, can I just, can I, I I'm, I'm listening. I am here. And I, I just, I can't do another fucking day of this. I, I'm sorry. Another day of what? Talking about going out and making trades. Like there's, they're not, they're not, it's hard to do during the season, make trades for team. When I, other I teams... don't, I don't think they're they're They want to do that. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. I don't like, listen, there's moves that they, that are going to come across that just don't make sense or they can't make happen during the year. Right. PD, like you're saying, it's hard to make trades. I don't think they're actively looking to try to really change much of this roster as much as continue to keep the course. Well, and, and know, I think they've identified what they need and, and they know their is, needs. This is the perfect time to kind of transition back into a Dylan Cousins conversation because the plan is to see what they have internally. I, I don't like the plan. I mean, I, I like the plan, but I like the plan with some with exactly what you're saying, Craig. I am absolutely on your page. I think we're past that point. That was free agency, and we chose Shane and Hinnestroza, and we chose you know other guys. You know, you chose to bring back Olafson for, and that's my for, whole point. Yeah, that's no, a bloody I, joke. I get that. I get that. So, but but with the plan in place, we're seeing the emergence of Dylan Cousins. I mean, Tage Thompson has absolutely. I understand at the start of the year when I said hold off on signing him. Brilliant by Kevin to not do that and and trust his gut and instinct and sign this kid because he'd be making ten million next year. But I think Dylan Cousins right now is the next page in that chapter when you're building down the middle. Where is this kid's next contract going, and what's what's going to happen there? Because he is turning into a bona fide second line center in this league. As hard as it is for a Buffalo Sabre fan, Kevin Adams is what, two years in? Two and a half? You know what I mean? Whatever you want to call it to this plan. We said all along, three to four years on a turnaround of this, you have to take out the previous seven, eight years of misery before that. This And, and that's the problem with how it has been over this last 10, 11 years. Is that each time you get a new GM and new coaching staff, you have to reset a new plan. You have to institute it. It takes time. And that's why the fan base, that's why people are so frustrated with it. But at this point, you are so close. You do not want to rush it. Just let it be. You, you've had your plan. You're going to see it through. And, and you're going to have your ups and downs. And yes, could you band-aid a couple things and maybe sneak into the playoffs this year? I'm not going to band-aid whatever? anything, Jail. That's the whole point. It's about identifying who your core they is. They have. They have. And, and okay, I think so, they want So why is Victor Olsen still here? We're back to that conversation again. Well, I want to know why he's still here. Because <laughs> he is serving a purpose as of no, right not. now. No, he's not serving as a purpose. As of right now. To guy, played, guy played seven minutes last night, and it was seven minutes too many. He's the reason. He is part of the major reason why we are lacking. I'm not talking trade eight guys. Well, he's wasting a roster spot. There's no question. Yeah. That's I'm what not, he's doing. He's, he's not, not wasting a roster spot. I'm not even, I've said this 2000 times and I need everybody to freaking understand this. <laughs> when I say this, Victor Olison is a very, oh, very fuck. good hockey he, player, man. You can't, can't keep beating the guy. Absolutely. De- no, he, he's, he's very skilled. Mean? Yes. He's very skilled. And on another team, 
that has a different group of players, Victor Olsson could be an absolute stud. On our team that we have here, Kevin Adams and his group, I think, would have to be crazy not to identify what your top six is moving forward. Okay. It's it's a no-brainer. So Victor Olofsson is playing on the third line. He has literally not been in a corner. He doesn't go through the front of the net. He hasn't made a hit. He doesn't block shots. We need a different style of player that will grossly, and I mean grossly, help the team to move in the right direction. That's all I'm saying. Yes, and I agree with you. What also is you have to take... Like like Petey said, these deals do not just happen overnight, right? Like it's not people think that all oh, three days go by, like a GM calls the other GM is, hey, what do you have on the market? What do you want? Okay, in two days we're gonna make this deal. Shit takes months. It yeah. takes a year to hey. make these deals. Kevin Adams may want to move Olsen, but you know what? He's gonna slow play. So Petey, the GM of X team, calls me. Hey, I want Olsen. All right, well, what do you got for me? And then seven, eight, nine, ten days later, he gets back to him. He's like, eh, eh, it's all right. I I like Olsen better. And then another two weeks goes by. Okay, you can have this guy. Like, this is not like a five, ten, fifteen-minute freaking discussion that you're just throwing names out in fantasy world like you want to do in fantasy football with me. Ribs, it doesn't happen that quickly. Yes, the trades don't happen three minutes before game time. Um, <laughs> so tell me, what is Brian Gianta signing Dylan Cousins to on his next contract? If you uh, could put pen to paper today, does six times eight get it done? Who says no? Well, I don't think the player says no. I th- so how much, Petey? Is is he is six he, times eight? If six I would million for eight years, I would love him at four and a half, five million dollars. Oh, you're on drugs, absolutely crack, man. Look at what you're gonna have to pay out. Look at who you got coming down the line. Yep. You're gonna well, need a stud number one. Is what it is, man. You're gonna need. Like, Dylan Cousins is a six foot three. He was a first round draft pick. What eighth overall? I don't seventh give overall. a shit how big he is. Cut well, that you, shit you know out. What? what type of player is he? You're on drugs. What type of player is he? <laughs> You're on drugs. Who gives a, a shit? It's a hell of a lot easier to play against Tate Thompson, who's six freaking seven, than some water bug on another stat, team. Stat sheet for his contract. He's six three. Bullshit. What type of player is he? Period. What does he, he bring hard. to the table? Period. He's he an hard. awesome player. That's the Drop whole thing. Drop the stat of the six three. Hey, if I'm going to sit here and make a decision on a kid who's five foot nine, or a kid who's six foot three and they both produce at the same rate and they both play a certain similar style, taking the kid who's six three. You want to know why? Because he's harder to play against. Yeah. I disagree. Well, disagree. I don't give a shit. I'll play against the five nine guy every single day and I'll beat the shit out of him. The six foot three guy, he's You're not allowed on the ice against the five foot nine guy. You're sitting on the bench watching him fucking dangle, guys. Yeah. Go look at my statistics there, kid. <laughs> you might be surprised. Uh, don't don't tell me right now that listen, I mean, listen, you're five foot six on a if, great day. Okay. You scored 50 fucking goals in the league, Gio. You are a angry little friggin' water bug that was extremely hard to play against. But you 
were very, very odd when it came to players your size. Marty St. Louis, Gallagher, like what, like okay, keep going, the league. keep going around the league. Every no, 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 keep going multiple. with your friggin' mighty mites. Every come on, every keep team going. Has multiple guys that are that way. Keep and going, every team Gio, has you multiple just guys three. that are six foot three. Name, and play the same three. way. Keep going. Every team has multiple, and you need multiple. You can't have a team full of six threes, and you can't have a team full of five six. Threes. Yeah, but you use you three need to make very up. unique smaller players, Gio. Those are guys that Gio, any team would. We'll take those guys around everywhere. Gio, what they, I'm trying to say is your style in which you played. You played unlike 99% of the players that were your size. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. Like, you know, you're a great player, Gio. You were super fast. You were explosive. You're a bit of a dickhead. You know, you, you made people <laughs> pissed off at you. They tried to kill you because you're a little friggin' yappy guy. And then all of a sudden you're in the penalty box. Then you went and scored. You skated by the penalty box and gave a smile. Then they wanted to kill you again, but you did that. You did. You irritated. All I'm you saying physical. is you can't throw that into a contract. Negotiation. I can absolutely throw it into a contract because I'm taking the six foot three kid over the five foot nine kid every day of the week if they're the same type of player. Where do you think Cousins falls number wise? I think he's gonna be probably and and here's the problem that that Cousins has. You have Tage Thompson at the start of the season signs his contract. And everybody there was there was 50% of the people that were like this is a great contract signed by Kevin Adams. The other 50 were like, this is the most ridiculous contract signed by Kevin Adams ever. He's played one year. This is complete bullshit. So now all of a sudden we've allowed 23 games to be played in the 20, in those 23 games, there is now a hundred percent of people agree with the contract signed by Kevin Adams and Tage Thompson. They love it. It is literally the greatest contract ever. If Tage Thompson right now went to this year because he has one year left, like he's playing at a what, 4 point or 1.4 I think. He's playing for 1.4 million dollars right now. If he would have played that contract out with what he's doing right now, he'd be looking at 9 9 and a half million dollars. But Are Kevin you Adams over 6 million dollars for Dylan Cousins. Kevin Adams Listen, I mean his statistics. So I he'll have I to give little, you. Craig's going to go on a five-minute statistical run. He can't just give you a straight answer and say yes. I, I want the answer. Yes. Okay. Did a little research, Gio. You know this what? Is I every like to day do. I said this yesterday, man. It's like it's, he's got eight goals in twenty-three games right now. You're going to pay him seven, seven and a half million dollars. You know who has eight goals and eighteen points? Who's minus twelve right now? Jordan Cairo, who's twenty-four years old who just signed for $8.125 million a year. Okay, he's 24. Dylan Cousins, 21. He's okay. not getting that money till he's, like, he just got paid. Did he not, Cairo, this summer? Was his contract? Yes. What about Robert Thomas, who's 23 years old, who just signed a contract for $8.125 million a year? Last year, he had 21 Cousins goals. I don't think is in that stratosphere yet. You don't think so? I don't think What yet. about Tim Stitzel? He may be. Who's 20 years not old. There yet. What about Tim Stitzel? $8.35 million. You also have, those are like, you also have, you to, also have to take in, you have to project, but you also have to take the makeup of your team. Where does Cousins fit in your number chart of depth of boards? Okay. Top six. But, but where in the top six? Is he six? 
is he one? Like I'd probably he, put like, him at I'd probably put him at two or three. Okay, so now you have to back your your contracts off of that, right? So you take your top guy. Who you who you taking as your top guy? Yeah, Thompson. Uh, uh, very apparent, Thompson. Okay. Well, so he's your your top number for your your forward group. Now start yeah. to back off. But are that. we are we Two, talking three, four, Are we talking five. today? I'm talking based on this team. Where does he stand? Are number we talking wise? today? Not league wise. This team. Like on another team, he may be two. Today? He may be one. Yeah. Well, if you're signing Cousins, what are you signing to? I think with his comparables and another guy, Josh Norris in Ottawa, he ended up playing uh, 58 games last year. He signed for $7.95 million. He's 23 years old. Dylan Cousins is going to be turning 22. Dylan Cousins, if he puts up 25 to 30 goals this year and has 55 to 60 points or even beyond that, is literally elevating himself into the same category as a Stitzel, a Jordan Cairo, a Josh Norris, and a Robert Thomas. These are all guys that have signed that are all in the 23, anywhere from 20 to 23 years old. Dylan Cousins is right in that realm. Dylan Cousins in his third year in the league is producing. And the best part about Dylan Cousins is this. He's not just a one-hit wonder. He's not a one-dimensional player. He's not just a guy that produces points. He's going to be a penalty killer. He's going to be on your power play. He's going to be on the ice at the end of the game, killing against the other team's top lines. If push comes to shove and there's a scrum, he's the first guy in there. He's one of the guys on this team, and out of a very, 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 very few that will actually stick up for himself and fight. And the other and thing... the team. He'll do that for and, the team, And the too. team, and the team. And the other thing, Gio, they continue to talk over and over and over about Dylan Cousins' leadership qualities. So when we're talking about Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas, I've not heard one, I've not read one article on these guys that talk about these guys stepping up and becoming maybe the next leader beyond a Ryan O'Reilly who could be moving on in the short future. Dylan Cousins is not just about what he's producing on the ice because he is no producing. Doubt. But sometimes those guys don't get the money that the other guys do. Well, what if you what if he is they producing don't. They the don't. points? Is Evander Kane a, a leader on your team? No, but he's no. making a shitload more than what a Cousins is. Okay, it, it's what, just how it's just where it stands in the league of of the. We're I talking about signing a guy for eight years, Gio. Million dollars. You're we're not talking about Dylan Cousins at twenty one, who's playing out his entry level deal. We're talking about Dylan Cousins that's going to be not, playing on your team listen, for the next eight years till he's twenty nine. I'm not. I'm not arguing the fact of the player that he is. Like I think he's a great player. He's going to be a great player. You just what, mentioned I'm, four and a half million dollars. Well, if I'm the team. And I'm locking you up to a out of your entry level, and I'm locking you up to eight years. I'm gonna sure as hell make it good for me as the team, as a GM. Yeah, that's where I'm starting. No, I Is think it, that's like, where they started in the off season. I think they wanted to try to get something done in the off season. Yeah. And, if and you're gonna sign Dylan Cousins, Cousins to a, a Cousins four and a half million dollar million. deal, he's gonna be on a three year deal. He'll he'll be on an entry I level deal. I'm not saying he's taking it. You asked me what I'm doing as the GM to sign him. That's where I'm starting with it. I'm what not just, 
you know what I'm saying? Like term geo. Well, if you're the player, like Riv said, if it's four and a half, I'm not going more than three years for Cousins. I'm betting on myself. If I'm the team, I want it as long as possible at a very favorable number. Somewhere between four and a half and six million dollars for eight years as the club. Yeah. I'm not saying you're not willing to go more. What I'm saying is that's what the club's going to want because of the structure of the team and the salaries yeah. on this team. And this is this is what will happen here. Kevin Adams, who's no dummy, is going to identify his guys. He's going to do exactly what he did with Tage Thompson. It's like when I said, I, I love this deal for Tage Thompson, and Petey was like, I think this is a terrible deal because he's only had one year. And I'm sitting there thinking, you got a really good point, Petey. I would still side Tage Thompson, but I really respect your point because Tage only had one good year in the NHL and he made, and he made $7.14 million, almost 50 some million dollars. But Kevin Adams and his staff get to see Tage Thompson as a person. They get to see his work ethic. They get to see him every day in practice and they get to understand that they think that this kid is going to be a breakout player. And the, he went and signed that deal with 50% of the people saying, this is a great deal. And the other 50% saying, no, it's not a good deal. And right now the deal is literally the greatest deal ever. People are talking about it around the NHL. People are talking about Tage Thompson. I just, I just uh, did, uh, saw something on Twitter where Austin Matthews was talking. And they were asking about who's the most underrated player in the NHL. And Austin Matthews across the border said Tage Thompson. I think that's amazing. Kevin Adams is working with information none of us have. That's exactly what I'm saying. So So when he's doing the exact same with his the players that he identifies as his main group. Now Kevin Adams can wait. Right? Kevin Adams can wait. But Dylan Cousins is possibly on the verge of breaking out into a player that is very much like a Jordan Cairo, a Josh Norris and a Robert Thomas. And all three of those players are making $8 million plus. So if you're Kevin Adams, I think he's seen enough of Dylan cousins and his development where you might be sitting there going, okay, let's, let's get this kid signed six and a half million, eight year deal. We'll pay you right now. Let's get it done. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something in the next freaking two months that Dylan Cousins inside for eight years around six and a half million dollars because Dylan Cousins is sitting there going six and a half million bucks. That is a shit ton of money. Fifty two million. I don't have to check my math on that. Uh, it is fifty two. Six times eight is forty eight. Then half a million times eight is another yeah. four million. It's fifty two 50, million. Fifty one. 51, 52, 52. Sorry. You know, listen, I mean, do you think Dylan cousins is in a situation where he could make $52 million and still be 29 years old when he signs his next contract? And I'm going to tell you, Dylan cousins is going to outplay a six and a half million dollar contract. So it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to see if Kevin is in a situation that he wants to short term him. I just and, can't and, believe and they almost blew a th- three-goal lead last night. 
I'm sorry. I can. Absolutely can. <laughs> I know he let in four goals, but Craig Anderson was pretty friggin' awesome last night. There were moments where you're thinking he he saved the game 45 shots on net. Okay, now granted, I know there was overtime. The overtime wasn't overly exciting. Craig Anderson was awesome at moments last night when he needed to be. It's like Grant Fuhr. He'll let in six, but he'll save that seventh and eighth <laughs> one because he knows he's got that team in front of him that can get the seven, eight goals. But 40, I mean, that's <gasps> their biggest issue right now, I think, is trying to figure out where goaltending is going to be too with this team because you can't keep relying on a 41-year-old guy. Sorry. No, that's not the that's not the end game. That is definitely not the end game. What's what the is end the game? end game? I don't Devin know. Le- that's Devin what, Levi. You, we talk about we talk about identifying your core. I think they've done a good job, and I think they know who their core is of the skaters. I think the biggest question mark for for the Kevin Adams and his group is trying to figure out where things stand in goal and how you best figure this out for the team. Because it's okay right now. In a year, it's not okay. In two years, it's not okay. So what is where you have to start to figure out where you stand on on that? What would you do, Gio? <laughs> I've said it before. The guys that are in college are minimum two to three years out. Are they? I think they are. I don't. What think, about Spencer Knight? How many times has that happened? Just you talk about yeah, you talk about how many five six players in, out in there years. that are well. Like, he he's been one of the most sought after and talked about young goaltenders in the game. He played in the national development program, and then he went and played one year college, and then he jumped right into the NHL. Okay, and and it's extremely he, hard to to break into the league as a Ford, even harder as a D, and even harder as a goalie. And you can't rush those things. But what if you just have, like you what just if you like have you a starting saw, goaltender? Darlene is an absolute stud. He struggled. Yeah, he struggled. People were second guessing why he was a number one pick. Yeah, for a short period of time. Not anymore. Not anymore. Amplify that into a goalie. If that happens, the wrong goalie, he's done for his career with that type of setback. I think the abuse that Darlene took about in his first year and even second year is probably why a lot of people don't point out powers errors either because they're just like, well, just give it time because you know he's growing good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. that I, I don't know what you do. I don't know where UPK stands. I don't know what else you have as far as options, but I know that your guys in college are two, three years out. Um, do you think that Devin Levi could be leaving uh, college next year? I think he could be leaving college at the end of this season, like when he's done. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Like when he's done with his college season, I think he could turn pro. And he will spend how long in the minors? Or do you think that he has the ability to come to this hockey team? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. It's a projection. You hope, you hope he's ready. You hope he's ready to play in his, like, okay, he comes at the end of the year, maybe plays in Raj, plays a few games here, maybe to see what he does with the, with the level. Maybe top end, he's your backup and can play 25, 30 games next year. But I think that's a stretch. How far off is the, um, 
you know, NCAA Division One hockey level compared to the minors? What's compared the difference? Compared to the minors? Is it uh, is it that egregious the jump because no, coming from egregious. junior it's hockey a, coming from not, junior because now you're having kids that are 16, 17, 18, 19 where college you have your true freshmen that are the 18-year-olds that are absolute super studs, okay? But you also have players as high as 24 years old. Yeah. So the game is completely different. You're talking about yes. men compared to boys there, in there's, junior. there's different there's differences so you're playing against older guys but you're playing 35 40 games so you're playing on a you know like the grind is not there that it is in in pro hockey you know what i'm saying in college we really yeah, gotta yes. sit here craig and try and put all the stock in devin levi a six yeah. round goalie i'm not That's saying exactly that the way i'm doing Six rounder. I mean, Ryan Miller was a fifth rounder. That was the first one that came. I'm not saying six round has yeah. anything to do with it. I'm just saying it's like, you know, Spencer Knight was 11th overall. So you're sitting there thinking, well, you can justify that. Is Devin Levi? Are you are we really looking that far down the road? I mean, I'll, I'll give you a right great now. example. The LA Kings go and get shit spanked by the Kraken. They lose the game nine to eight. Now oh, here's the thing: spanking. they lost a one goal game. They got shit. One goal. Um, you have you have um, uh, Jonathan <laughs> Quick. He but lets in five goals, and then gets pulled. Hal Peterson goes in, and they let in four. He lets in four goals. They lose the game, and he gets put on waivers. The next day, that's not for performance. That's something else. Like something else had to have happened. That's not letting four goals in. That is a buildup of some kind of attitude or something snapping after the game. So something that's not strictly performance. Letting in four goals. Do you not agree? Like that is not a, a rash decision that's made after a nine to eight game when that goalie's let in four. Yeah, that's putting a lot of responsibility on one guy. Yeah. In well, a nine in a nine he, eight he, game. He's put on like he was on notice. He was something. His attitude was not right. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it was that. All I'm saying is there's something else behind it rather than just a poor one game performance of four goals and a nine to eight anomaly of a game in the league during the year. Well, he also didn't play very well. I mean, he was not playing well at all up to that point. Well, that's right. It's a body of you know, work. It's yeah, a, the body of work was not there. You you don't just release a <laughs> a NHL goaltender that you just signed a contract to. They signed a three year contract for fifteen million. He's making five million dollars a year. You don't go and all of a sudden just let a guy go after you just invested three years in in fifteen million in him. There has to be something else, yes. right? Gio, you ever see any drama in the room? Give me some drama stories, like a real okay. drama. I don't know. I don't know that I ever really. There's a few dramatic moments in our my time in in the league. I mean, I, I mean, what do you, like? I, I'm trying to think, figure out fights drama. in the I locker mean, room amongst the players. Or well, yeah, we had plenty of those. We had PK Subban on our team. Would I'd say one of the would players fight with him? Yeah. Did he would get he, in a fight? At like practice? a fist fight. 
Yes, he has on the ice. There's been multiple fights. There was at minimum one altercation that had happened off the ice when I was in Montreal. Can you tell us the guy he fought with? It is one of the tallest guys in the league and one of the shortest guys in the league. We're part of this. How Gil? Montreal. How Gil? Yeah. Yep. What happened? Yeah, I just tell the story now. Like, Forget like, about all the shit. No, Let's go. I mean, he, listen, it, it was bullshit. He shows up late to a thing, shows up late, and he did not, when he was called out for being late from the guys, he didn't handle it the right way, and it escalated into something that it shouldn't have been. What was, the, of, call, what was the call out session like? Where it was, I don't know, we do like those open practices at the Bell Center for the fans, right? Like it's. It's a, a half ass practice. Hey, and it's, no, and no, it's, no, no, no. And then 15,000 people. Yeah, show I mean, 20,000 people in the stands watching a practice. But it's essentially just a flow walkthrough day for, for us, right? Like, and uh, Michelle Terrian might have been the coach at the time. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he shows up late. And as he walked in to get dressed, we're basically walking on the ice. And oh, that's I said, late. That's not I like said, five minutes. I said that's something late. to him. And it was met with a little bit of disrespect and other people jumped on board. And what did you, you know? say to him? Hey, why the fuck are you late? Yeah. Like what? Okay. Did, what did, pretty you, standard you, you don't understand the, the clock. You don't understand time. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm not late. I'm like, we're going on the ice. We had meetings and stretches and shit already. Like you are late, late. And there's an argument over what was late. So besides the typical cut all the laces in the skates, ball up his gear, make it as hard as it can be for him to come on the ice in time. <laughs> there was there was a, there was a little bit of an altercation where he was jacked up against the wall. And then but like this guy and and li- listen, I've grown to to appreciate PK Subban for what he is. He got on the ice on freaking time before Michelle Terrian blew his damn whistle to start the practice. He had like half a lace in each skate. He like his skates were bent in like he was like tape was everywhere because it was just like trying to hold everything together. But his ass made it before Michelle Terrian blew the opening whistle for practice. And we're all like, how the hell did he do that? It literally was like three minutes and he had no laces in his skates. He had gear everywhere. His helmet sideways, half off. Like it's just, but he made it on. So how many of those skates? Well, you were there for how many years? Five. I was there for five years. So you do one or two a year, right? Like, okay. So how many of those skates? <laughs> zero. I think is where you're how going. How many of those skates <laughs> did you have? Because they're like a Sunday. An intoxicated player on the ice. <laughs> like, I'm not talking hungover. I'm talking Still, literally had well, left the they're, bar. They're basically what? Sunday, early you, you morning, play Saturday afternoon. Night. You play they, Saturday They throw night. it on a Sunday, and that's why I say yep. it's a walkthrough. It's barely a thing. It it's is a 10, 15 practice. You're out there for 30 yeah. minutes. Just yes. to, There's 15 to 20 thousand people in the building sold out it's a twenty thousand seat arena and it's sold out for losing it i mean way louder than a game 
Okay. A shot taken that goes top shelf on Jose Theodore. The place erupted. It was incredible. <laughs> but I remember, can't see I, remember <laughs> I remember 50% of our players yes. literally should not have been <laughs> allowed on the ice. But that was back. In, <laughs> that was back in like the, uh, the late '90s and the two thousand yeah. early two thousands, where it didn't change. No, it didn't change. That's how it was. Gene Corson won. It was like the guy off slap shot. Yeah, the goalies don't want to go down. Like what's that like, guy? What's the not name? Moving he? the guy where he he pissed or... Don't hit me. Like I'm gonna listen. I, it's I, it's I, stuff I... that happens on every team at uh, at every level. You know what I mean? It's not abnormal. It's growing pains for a young superstar in Montreal. Like it's it's not don't make it more than what it is, right? Like it's stuff that happens in the league, behind the scenes, on teams. You deal with it. I remember our guys were just smarter. They would leave the bar at six o'clock in the morning. Okay. So here in Montreal, you you know this, Geo, that they start to close down the bars. You remember that? Like they start yes. kicking everybody out at three o'clock. And by the time 3.30 hits, the bouncers have cleared out all these bars. Okay? It's empty. Except for the 30 people <laughs> that are still in the bar. And the, they close the blinds. You remember that? And then all of a sudden, the music goes on. And 3.30 to 6 o'clock, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like you don't people even re- dance. You're so on- drunk, you don't even realize that you're partying with the cleanup crew. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I knew them all. You're dancing with a mob. But here's the thing. The best part about it is you would go, you would be, you would be a smart guy. Okay. You'd be the guy that cared about his body. And, uh, I went home early. I would show up at the rink and Vinny Dolphus, our captain would be sleeping on the couch in his suit. (laughs) So he's like, I'm not going to go home because I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not I'm risking, not, gonna be like, not waking yeah, up, not risking it. I'm going to go to the safe haven. At Sophie's house. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh man. <laughs> Vinny like, Dolph. I, I, I'm not going to tell that story right now because I, I've already it told it on the show but before, but Vinny Dolphus took a dump in some <laughs> random person's house. He went to the wrong house. Three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he went to the wrong house. Walked I was into on the one house. time when you told this story. Yeah, it was crazy. The guy have a shotgun or something, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. It was not oh, a shotgun. Okay. It was it was he a guy saw who was, it was. <laughs> this captain well, of the he's banging on the door. Go ahead, like, use my did I say shotgun? But... <laughs> Sorry, I meant Sharpie. <laughs> Could you imagine? Sign my toilet seat. <laughs> Could you imagine number one, the feeling of Vincent Dolphus shitting in the wrong person's house, a random person's house? At three o'clock in the morning, having some man smoke the door. Who's in there? And he gets out and being so embarrassed and so scared and running out of the house. But how about the man and his wife who is hiding around in the kitchen and seeing Vincent Dolphus, who literally is the most recognizable face? Like, I can't even tell you. Like, it, it, it does no justice at all. Like. Like if people here in Buffalo were to see Tage Thompson, I mean, I still believe that there's a lot of people that would recognize him, but there's a lot of people that wouldn't. Now, here's the thing. If you're not a hockey fan in Montreal, which is like 5%, you still know everyone. Everybody knows Vincent Donfus. Like, I mean, he is the face of 
of an entire province. He's a Derek Jeter of Montreal. Of, of New York, yeah. right? And to have this guy shit in your house at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning and then all of a sudden be telling that for like the next number of decades, it, it has to be the most legendary story that this guy is going to have in his life. It's awesome. Your PK Subban story just reminded me, and I'm not even going to tell a story, but just reminded me that I had a couple of veterans come up to me one time and ask me to beat up a rookie in practice the next day. Yeah, you go hard on them. Yeah, I didn't. I'm like, beat you know, up, I'm like, like, I don't feel yeah. comfortable doing that yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. Whatsoever. I mean, I'm not even not in the beat lineup. up. Not beat no, up. no, 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 no. They wanted you me might to have been them. asked to beat up, but they like, wanted me to rough them up. Yeah, like when nobody was looking. I'm like, nah, no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't think uh, that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, See you, Gio. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.